This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our special Sunday night post House of the Dragon episodes of Take the Black, our now bi-weekly chat show where myself, Dan Selke of WintersComing.net and Daniel Roman, hello, also of WintersComing.net, break down all things television, sci-fi, fantasy, and because we are a Game of Thrones site, first and foremost, House of the Dragon, we're going to be breaking down every new episode every Sunday night right here on the Facebook and YouTube page at 9.30 Central Standard Time. Daniel, you just watched the episode. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. It was uh, a little bit, tiny bit slower, it felt, than last week. But man, you're always so it nice. Was, <laughs> uh, it was it was a great episode, though. I enjoyed it. Lots of stuff to like. Lots of stuff to cringe over, which for whatever <laughs> reason, I feel like is just going to be the name of the game with this show. What do you think, Dan? I like, you know, um, I have a, a small story. And by the way, thanks to everyone coming in. Um, I see uh, Rashawn, Martha, Joanna, Zach. Good to have you all. And I agree, Rashawn. It was another yes, strong episode. Totally. I liked it. I, I have a um, a bit of a story because I, so we're lucky enough, you and I, to get these episodes ahead of time. And yes. for whatever reason, when I watched this the first time, like a week ago, sorry, everybody else, um, I it did feel slower than the last one. I was kind of not loving the vibe. And then I watched it on my actual like big TV tonight, and I liked it a lot mm-hmm. more. I think this show benefits from being watched on a proper size screen because I was like yeah. noticing details I didn't notice before. I was like, you know, like when Rhaenyra and Viserys just talking about um, after he goes to Dragonstone, like they just had his model in the background. That model, by the way, is fast becoming iconic. I think that's going to be a thing. Someone's going to yes. build in their backyard pretty soon. Um, Absolutely. Like when I watched on my laptop, I didn't notice that the Archmaster Melos went to Dragonstone with Otto. Like I caught that this time. That was kind of fun. So this yeah. show benefits from having on a bigger proper TV. And I did enjoy it a lot more this time. Although I see people saying that it felt slow in the beginning. But I mean, overall, it was very solid. As Kathy says, she liked it a lot. And I liked it a lot too. Yeah. Anything stick out to you? We could start with the cringe first if, because you brought it up if you really want to. But there's plenty of places to pick up. Yeah. So there's one thing I want to ask you about first off the top it happened at the beginning of the show so yeah, it feels like should, maybe yeah. we should talk about it at the beginning of I our guess. show what do you think of the opening credits excellent um question as rashawn says hope everyone is happy we had an open credit sequence um okay yeah so the opening credits yeah thoughts. so game of thrones has one of the most iconic opening credit sequences in the history of tv you know we, we all know the song and just the stylized map it flies over it shows where you're going to be so i didn't know what to expect hey julie um exactly they use the same song and part of me is like come on write something new but part there is a another part of me that's like i get it it's such like a well-known song it's such a good song it fits the tone of whatever game of thrones you're having um okay fine reuse it i i wasn't a big fan of the visuals 
like this kind of uh, seals mm-hmm. being depressed and then welling up with blood and then blood flows to other seals through some kind of nondescript uh, stony labyrinth. And yeah. what I gather is that they're trying, it, it's like a Targaryen family tree that each seal is like a different member of the Targaryen family. And then when they die, their blood goes to their descendants and that's kind of what it's forming. But honestly, if you didn't know that, I don't think that you would get that from that little opening sequence. I had to be told that. And I didn't recognize yeah. who the seals were on it. And it didn't Same. really form. Like, I wanted it to, like, pull back and show me, like, the tree it had made or something at the end. So uh, Game of Thrones opening credits, hard act to follow. I don't think it totally. quite did it with, with this one. Song's great. But... Um, <laughs> What about like I don't know like tapestries of all like the big Targaryen events like the like the fall of Doom of Valyria and the, the conquering and Baylor and that's a cool idea and, Maybor and stuff like something 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 else I didn't really like the opening very much yeah you know so it's tricky I man I HBO why didn't you call Dan up when you were doing this such good idea intro because that is a really good idea and I think the the tricky thing with this opening you're totally right about Game of Thrones just having like one of at this point probably the most iconic openings in television like that that whole sequence Mm. with the map and the song yeah there was it is a hard act to follow i don't blame them for using the same music and it kind of establishes Mm -hmm. this cinematic universe which hurts me a little to say but it is like you know marvel kind of has its opening theme that it does on all its things and if they're gonna go with the game of thrones song i can't begrudge it um i don't love how you know, the map openings in the original show were practical as well mm-hmm. as yes. interesting. They also told us something. And that's the thing I like about your Targaryen tapestry idea you just mm-hmm. said. I It could become clear. I imagine it will become clear what this opening is really signifying with, you know, the blood. It, yes, the blood of the dragon runs thick, what have you, uh, running to different members of the family tree. But I do think it was going more for style than practicality, which like it's an opening sequence. That's what most of them do. But I'm torn, I guess, is where I'll leave that. I thought it was a little too bland for this show. But um, we'll see if it changes. Joanna thinks it might change. I wonder if it'll change. I hope it changes for season two. I hope it's more colorful. I mean, it is telling Targaryen history. But Targaryen history is so interesting and vivid and bloody and kind of um, evocative. And that was just like, I don't know, blood running over stone. I want I, I, I want something else, but we'll see what happens. I was just going to say, it's a tricky thing, too, because House of the Dragon is a little more contained than Game of Thrones sprawl. Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of why the map was a thing, because characters were everywhere. And this show, we had one location last episode, King's Landing. Th- right. This week, we got two. So everything's either King's Landing or Dragonstone. Two. What will next week hold? Probably three. We'll find out. We'll find out. He, he's seen the first six people. He knows what it is. He's just playing. We'll court. find out. I mean, I get that they don't can do a map anymore, but you can still do interesting yeah. things with the family and the history that was beyond just that. Truth. So we'll see where it goes. Okay. The episode itself. The episode. As Saul appreciates yes. the reviews and the account melody from Game of Thrones. I do appreciate that. I kind of want something new, Same. but it's the the. The song is Can't so famous, it. so it's it, yeah, fair enough. And it is, a, it, I mean, it's still a great totally. song. I still like singing the song. So we've had some <laughs> comments out there, and I agree that this episode was a bit slower than the last. And I do agree. That's what kind of hit me when I first watched it. Not only that it was slow, but that the first time I watched it, I don't know, with like this, 
some of the scenes didn't hit me as hard. I really liked the first one. I, I liked the first scene in the small council room where mm-hmm. King Viserys is like, eh, but we can't go to war. That might, my people might, might make somebody mad. And Corlys Flaherty wants him to act. And then, you know, everyone's kind of having this argument. And then Rhaenyra cuts through the, the noise with her suggestion. I liked how that was unexpected on their part. And it kind of changed the energy in the room. I liked how she was kind of yeah. politely ushered out to go look at a uh, parade of hunks and choose one for the Kingsguard. That was nice. And then after that, I it, it kind of went down until the Dragonstone bits on my first watch. But what what do you think of that first kind of a uh, scenes, the small council and then Renera's hunk parade? Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80 percent lean ground beef for three forty nine a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink or Arizona tea for 77 cents each all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I really liked it. The The slightly slower pace did not bother me so much in this episode. And part of that is, I think the thing that House of the Dragon is, if it's not apparent by now, I feel like it's just going to become more apparent, is it's really training viewers to pay attention um, in terms of catching mm-hmm. all the little tiny moments and interactions. And there were some. The, yeah, there, there were a fair amount. I think I loved seeing Rhaenyra basically be like the queen in waiting where people are underestimating her and she's just obviously qualified for the job. That's something I enjoyed. And that was like a running thing throughout the episode. Like there were maybe four, three or four at least situations where all of the older dudes were arguing about what to do and Rhaenyra just saw what to do and went with it. So sending dragon riders to the Stepstones, like, that's a fair idea. Yeah. It's not a bit, it's better than most of the things getting thrown around in the room. They usher her out. Otto, man, I hate Otto. No, I love Ristifans, not knocking the actor, but... God, do I hate that character. Like, he's just manipulative. Yeah, it's going to be hard to imagine, like, how he could possibly be likable. Like, there's that one bit when King Viserys has a hand in the maggots, which, thank you, HBO, for for the maggot hand bit. Save the digits. They are trying to... By the way, so apparently Viserys has, like, some kind of wasting disease. Like, there's a legion on his back. There's a a finger who's fallen off. Whatever. Something's happening. But And we'll talk about this later, but um, I I do like that they... They seem to want to kind of drive in more um, medieval minutiae than Game of Thrones did. Like they had the tournament yeah, last week. I agree with that. And now we have some maggots. And of course, we have the child bride bit, which we'll get to. But um, anyway, my point here maximum was that, cringe. I mean, maximum cringe, but it was, I was <laughs> compelled. Like I definitely set was up the point. during that bit. Yeah. Ugh, God, it was so yeah. uncomfortable. So, oh, Henrika is right because he cut the finger on yes, the Iron Throne. Is. I just remember that. Sorry. Yeah, that's a good, really good point. Yeah. But then Otto says something like he he empathizes and it's, he says, I lost my own wife. There's such a big hole. You're the king, but I don't envy you. And I couldn't tell, like, are we supposed to take this as sincere? Are we supposed to take this as he honestly cares and stuff with his friend? Or is it an angle? I'm afraid that everything Otto says I'm going to just feel is... um insidious in some way i'm not sure there's a way to come around to him and really like him well that's like i feel like that's the thing for otto it is like everything he says 
there's a line from Game of Thrones that I keep coming back to for Otto mm-hmm. that had to do, it was when Oberyn Martell was talking to Tyrion and Cersei around the trial, um, mm-hmm. around Tyrion's trial. Tyrion has a line that's something like, leave it to my sister to let honest feelings Ooh. sell her yeah, lies. Yeah, yeah. I, remember that I don't one. remember the exact line, but it's something honest feelings that's the do idea dishonest work. It. Something like that. I remember yes. that. And Otto is doing that, I think, okay. quite a lot. Cool. He's he's not lying when he says stuff like he misses his wife. He doesn't envy the king to have to remarry for duty. But he is also like he knows he's having his daughter basically try to woo the king and hoping they form an emotional connection because he sent her to the king six months earlier, the very eve of his wife's passing, just to be like, hey, how are you? And why don't you wear one of your mom's dresses? I should do that, too. One of the low neckline ones, maybe pick one of those. Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) So Otto, he's he's a fascinating character. I there was one point when Viserys announces his intent to marry Allison and Otto just smirks at Corliss Valerian. It's like, ah, you just want someone to smack that smirk right off his face. It's it's so interesting how watching it on different screens, different contexts can change the mood of how I feel. Like when I watch that final scene the first time when he says, I'm going to marry like pause for one, two, three, four, five, Allison Hightower. I thought it was like kind of overly done and soap operatic. When I watch it on the big screen, like I, I was way more into it. Like I looked at like I, I saw Rhaenyra figuring it out before he said it, looking over at Allison. Those moments just kind of came across better. I definitely I like they liked yeah. it more on, on the bigger screen. Although I sometimes focus on it was a little slow. Yeah. So that's exactly the type of stuff I'm talking about in terms of like this show really rewarding or like expecting viewers pay attention to the little like subtle things because that's a great example of it because on on paper it is a little kind of cliche like is this the bachelor like i will marry and then it zooms in on everyone with dramatic music but there's so much going on in those quiet moments like you said rhaenyra figures it out before he says it just by looking at allison allison's over there picking her nails okay so allison can we talk about her for a second and i want you guys opinion too so I'm kind of running hot on cold on Allison Hightower too, because <laughs> I want them. Part of me wants to know more about, I feel like I don't really have a, a way in like they're having her okay. do the, 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 the cuticle picking stuff, which means she's in yeah. some kind of inner turmoil. But I, 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 I just couldn't tell, like, is she actually into the King? Is she just doing it because her father told her to? And again, it worked better on the bigger screen tonight because she, she seemed the actress Emily Carey is kind of radiating discomfort when her father's around. Yeah, she's great in the scene where the king announces they're going to marry her because she she's there and like she's worried what Nero will think. So I liked it more here, and I was more generous this time. I guess I figure that just I think she does have a lot of opinions and feelings and intense emotions about this, but she's kind of trained by her dad to just not externalize that stuff, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with what Natalie's saying here about uh, a lot of people are feeling indifferent. I can understand that for sure, especially at this point. People hating on her, man, I don't, I feel like that's not warranted from what we've seen. Like everyone's going to feel how they feel. But I think Allison, I don't know. I, there is a bigger range there than I expected out of Emily Carey. This is kind of true for Millie Alcock as Rhaenyra. Like Mm. you, when you hear they're playing young versions of the character, that doesn't immediately make you think, oh, they'll have a huge range of material. But I think 
those two actresses really oh, totally. do. And Emily Carey's Allison is fascinating because she is not saying a lot. Yes. She she is not being upfront about her feelings with pretty much anyone except for Rhaenyra, it seems like. And even then, she's holding things back. 100%. Which is kind of true to how she's being raised by Otto, who is yeah. doing basically the same thing with everyone in his life. He never is being 100% straightforward with anyone. I mean, with each other, too, like Allison and, and Otto, like he's like, why are you picking your cuticles? She's like, oh, now leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that we had more of Rhaenyra and Allison when they're besties. Like, I feel like we had the one me scene too. last week. And now this week, she's going to be her stepmom. So there's no way they go back to being besties after this. Like, We're past bestie territory. Yeah. What do you think of the scene in the in, in the sept? Which, by the way, um, we were wondering what that uh, overhead shot of that big building was. Yes. That was the sept in King's Landing. I'm sure you saw that now. Yes. And, and that is the grand sept. So a note here, the great sept of Baylor, where Ned Stark had his head chopped off, isn't built yet. Won't be built what? until the reign of Baylor. The, the one Blessing. that Cersei explodes real big is not yet that built. One. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, this is a different big sept in King's Landing. Man, that scene, I I really again with like just there being more emotional investment, like when Rhaenyra breaks down crying because Allison's oh, just nice. trying to talk with her and help her kind of work mm-hmm. through how she's feeling, get her to maybe pray a little bit and see if that helps. I yeah, it's amazing to me how invested I feel in these characters, having only seen them for a few episodes. So I liked it a lot. What did, what did you think of that scene? I, that's another one that I didn't really connect with on the first read, and then I liked it tonight. I don't know quite why. I think it's the big screen. I'm sorry to keep saying this, um, but yeah, I, li- I liked it more. I guess I wanted more like joking, like friends joke, but I did think it was sweet, and I did see that they care about each other. I mean, already Allison's hiding things from her. So I guess I wanted more of a pure thing, but I get it. Yeah. Um, and I did like it and it was very sweet. And, you know, this that's this show. This show is a heavy Douglas Serkian sort of uh, dr- dramatic with a capital D and a capital C yeah. for good measure program. Um, Martha has the feeling that Renera will team up with her uncle. Oh, Martha, you follow that instinct. I think it's a I think it's a good I think it's a good one. Okay, before we move on to the big Dragonstone Bridge confrontation, let's talk about um, when King Viserys goes on a first date with a 12-year-old. Yeah, I guess we have to, right? That's going to be... That's going to be the the controversial talking point of this episode, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How'd, how'd you feel, Dan? Oh, you're going to hit it to me? Sure. <laughs> Let me go first. Right. Yes. I mean, honestly, I thought the scene was good. So, okay. <laughs> I talked earlier about how the show seems to be more invested than Game of Thrones was in giving us, like, the minutia of medieval times. So, you know. Um, yes, I agree. Game of Thrones, especially toward the end, it's it, you know it, it did seem like they were the characters were more like having sort of 21st century values but wearing swords and riding horses this show at least the first season yeah. seems more committed to like these are people of their time and we saw yes. we see that i mean frankly we see that most with the relationships they're having because obviously mm-hmm. arranged marriages with 12 year olds in most of the world Weird. are not a thing yeah. today but that was something that happened back then. And I was I was definitely compelled when watching it. I was cringing. My skin was crawling because he's just it was I mean, it was almost funny. It, it was so uncomfortable. It was almost funny. Like he's walking through with a 12 year old. They're basically on a first date. He's like, so what do you like to do for fun? 
like uh, twelve-year-old stuff, and she parrots back the line from her dad, which is so obviously she's just parroting it back, which was just it yeah. was very, very uncomfortable. Even the king was uncomfortable, but like yes. everybody is stepping up and arranging this for him, and her parents are like, "It would be our honor if our twelve-year-old were to marry you in holy matrimony, you forty, fifty-something-year-old man. That's fine with us. That's cool. Go ahead and do it." And even though Rainey's yeah. the mother is like, "Yeah, I'm uncomfortable. I'm gonna do it though. I'm not gonna not do it." Yeah, it was all kinds of uncomfortable. But I mean, not but. I I I do <laughs> I do appreciate Period. that that kind of uncomfortable situation is a kind of uncomfortable situation that might have actually happened in ye old medieval times. And the point is to be crazy. Yeah. The point is to be weird. The point is to be nasty. And I am intrigued that they're going to go in that direction, that they're not going. Cause like, look, if you wanted to make this more blunted, you would make her be 18, which would be weird still. Cause he's like fucking 50, but it would be, I mean, look, didn't like Dane cook, just marry his like 17 year old girlfriend or whatever. And he's like 53. Like that still happens today. She was 23. Yeah. When she was 17. He, he's mind. not even, it, this, this is not going to make it any better. It's, it's not trying to, I think he's younger than 50. I think he's in his early forties at this point in the show. He, in he the books, old. he's even younger, but I mean, so it's yeah. the white blonde hair can read as white. It's can be tricky. Yeah. My larger point was though, they're really going for medieval courtly romance in all its horrible discomfort and awkwardness which was a thing i mean you go read histories people were marrying oh very young cousins left and right and that stuff happened yes. in the song of ice and fire books but they kind of cut it out like tommen's younger in the books and marjorie is like a fully grown woman they marry mm-hmm. and tommen's like eight and she's like yes 20 but they just kind of sanded that edge off but here they're like they no sanding sorry we're gonna go full tilt Yep, that I, I really agree with that about the really portraying like the medieval stuff. Um, like one criticism that I've seen quite a bit for House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones in general is, um, you know, these are fantasy stories. Can't we just imagine <laughs> fantasies bad. where they don't have those kinds of things? And that's fair. But but George R. R. Martin really he's a, like an armchair historian and he's basing these things very intentionally on historical things that were done. And I think. I agree with you that I think this show is showing more of a commitment to portraying some of those things that he always had for in the better or worse, for better or worse, it, for controversial, better or worse. We're going to see how it goes, but we're going to get to see things like tourneys with all their pageantry. I mean, last week when, when Emma Aaron was had a forceful area section on her, like that was also an incredibly uncomfortable thing born of a horrible time. You know, that whole line about like, why can't our fancies have this? I mean, I get it, but it's also a bit of a way to, like, stop a fruitful discussion because fantasy doesn't have to be purely escapist. Fantasy can be about stuff. It's fine. Yeah, I I think it depends, too, on how intentionally and um, thoughtfully it's done. Like, if you're just including, you know, horrific things to have horrific things, that's not the best. But if you are referencing some specific things to foster discussion, that's different and i think house of the dragon is doing that uh, obviously i think george r. r martin does that but i think this show is carrying that torch almost more than game of thrones did um it seems in, in how it's portraying some of these situations yeah because like you know the lane of valerion you know proposed marriage which again it, it was very cringy but that was the point of the scene. The king looks uncomfortable. Basically everybody, except for Scruffy, was uncomfortable because Scruffy's living his best life. Mm-hmm. And I think that 
that's the, the sort of thing that wasn't really described. Like Fire and Blood is, it's a fake history. It, it wasn't like End of the King courted her and they had an awkward conversation. Like, I don't yeah. remember if it even mentions that Lena Valarion was put forth as a potential match for King Viserys. This whole episode is three pages. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, no, I believe you. So yeah, I I liked it. I think it was an interesting way to make viewers more comfortable with him courting Alicent, who Rashawn was asking how old she is. I believe she is 15 in this episode. So. They are kind of being a little bit vague about the... Because they said Rhaenyra is 15. She's like, I'm afraid of my own 15-year-old daughter. Alicent, they're not quite being oh, clear yeah. on, but yeah, I, I think she's the same age. She's either the same age or... It, so in the books, she's older, but she, I think they made her either the same age or like mm-hmm. a year old. It's yeah. close enough that it doesn't make too big a difference. Right. So, yeah, I I think it, the show's doing interesting things. It's compelling, it, it, you know, these are difficult situations these characters are in right out of the gates. And then you've got Damon Targaryen, who is just going to make everything Damon more Targaryen. difficult for everyone. I mean, we could be honest. Like, I, I liked the scenes before that, but the episode really, like, kind of the plot, like, really kicked in when yes. they announced that Damon Targaryen had stolen a dragon egg, was getting married to his second wife, had her with child, wants to give this dragon egg to the person. That yeah. was fun. I mean... Damon is definitely someone who is a great fire starter of a character. Like you, you call him in when you want the other characters to have some conflict because Damon is there with it. You know, what was a fun detail. I liked how the dragon, um, the dragon pit workers, the dragon mash, I don't know what they're called. They all speak Valerian. Like I like how, how alive the language seems like I can believe that it would be passed down all the way through generations, all the way to Daenerys. I, I, I enjoyed that. And yet, that yeah. scene where they where they come in, it's like, Damon took it, and we are like, of course he did. He kicks the episode into gear. Yeah, it, I I agree with the Valyrian. Um, it's interesting thinking about who knows Valyrian and who doesn't in this show. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when Damon and Rhaenyra speak it, it's almost like a private language for them. Right. Unless they're around, someone like Viserys clearly understands it because he Do understood it, yeah. the Dragon Keepers. Missaria understood it because she stormed Apparently, off yeah. once it came out, which I, so she's from Lys, Lys. I think. Yeah. Lys. And I, I don't know off the top of my head if High Valyrian is a language that is spoken freely there, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I guess all the free cities from Volantis and the rest of them, it's, it, it, it makes some sense, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, Danny, when she was in Astapor, so Astapor, they still spoke High Valyrian and Giscari, I guess, depending on the situation. So, yeah, I like how alive the High Valyrian is. I think Millie Alcock, man, she sells it. She yeah, sounds like she, she was really a, does. She's a natural speaking, like as good as Amelia Clark ever was, in my opinion, at doing the Valyrian scenes. The Duolingo people are going to be very happy with this show. Like they're going to make yes. a lot of scratch off this. Oh, God, there's going to be a lot of courses at Comic-Con speaking Valyrian. This is going to be a whole new tiny cottage industry. Yeah. Learn how to tell your uncle he's living in your castle in Valyrian. <laughs> things everyone needs um man that scene i loved that, that was fun. when she that was storms good. off the dragon and it's just like that's my castle you're living in uncle the, the coolest like, mic the, drop that was very fun i mean the confrontation is definitely i mean it's the tensest bit of the episode and i mean yeah it came from real stuff like yes damon would do this 
like yes Rhaenyra and by the way Rhaenyra does not do this in the book they added this in because they wanted some drama and it worked because yeah Rhaenyra is it it goes with her arc right like she's trying to establish herself not just as someone her father named as heir until a male person comes along as her cousin Rhaenys is kind of bitterly almost uh telling her is going to happen Rainey's um, mm-hmm. did, did kind of seem a little bit like, I've seen it all, kid. And let me tell you, they're never going to yes. let you on that throne. A little bit. A energy, little bit, yeah. Which, which, totally like, had that vibe. <laughs> and yeah, so she, it's like, I mean, we want a character to take action on, on their own. So of course she's going to get on that dragon. She's going to go to there. And I love the bit, I think was the coolest this visual bit, when kind of the mists around Dragonstones kind of bubble up. Yeah. Like um, it's a sandworm on dune when it's about to go up and then silence yeah. kind of explodes out of there that was really cool and yes the conversation was yeah, great it was. it was salty they definitely have tension which i mean maybe just seen it where it isn't yeah i love the back and forth with damon damon and Kristen calling him crispin oh uh, yeah you know that that and the that, auto bit that classic move when you pretend you don't remember your name <laughs> even though you've like thought yeah. of them every other day for the past six months yes. and how they humiliated you yeah sure go ahead just just pretend you don't know damon fine so fitting for damon yes he's a petty petty man which is fun so can i ask you so one thing we found out in that scene and then the following scene where damon mm-hmm. goes and talks to Masaria is that she was not actually pregnant yes nor was she gonna be wed which in the book she is that's what i was gonna ask yeah so in the book she is she loses the child when she goes well, Back she presumably Lise, yeah. is because these are things that are secondhand accounts in the book. So that's what sure. we're told. There's always room for maybe that wasn't actually what happened, kind of in the way Fire and Blood is presented. But it's pretty clearly said she was pregnant. Instead, the show used that as a way to drive home how dangerous childbirth is again, because Missaria says, oh, I will true. never be Im- threatened. Yeah. She says, threatened by childbirth. I've taken steps to ensure. <laughs> and then, de- I mean, the funniest thing about that to me is that Damon fully just lied and said they were getting married and that she was pregnant just to get his daddy brother's attention. Like just so daddy brother yes. pay attention to her. Like that, that's totally. fully it, which is um, yeah. again, a very petty kind of Damon fo- grown four-year-old in Matt Smith's body move, which I, I, I do think is pretty great. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I like totally. Damon a lot. <laughs> Damon's too much. I, I, I enjoy him. Yeah. I mean, he keeps things interesting. Oh, he keeps he keep it up hopping. I got to ask you, what you, and all of you out there who are watching, my serious accent, yay or nay, or confused, Damon, you are Targaryen. You can play these games. I cannot. I can bring confused. in the Medan. Like, what? <laughs> what are confused. you doing? Yeah, I am not a huge fan of the accents, to be honest. I like I like the actor. I think she's doing a good yeah, job, but the good. accent is weird to me. I don't know what's... They, it sounds like they were trying to do a French accent, and I don't understand why. We're like a weird French, not a, a real French accent, but like a weird French accent. I, yeah, I, I am distracted, Agreed, Natalie. as Natalie said. I'm distracted by the accent every time she talks, and I really want to pay attention when she talks. So it, yeah, I'm not an enormous fan. I, I just want to have, a, I want to ask who, who made that decision. It was, an, she's making an acting choice. Yeah, I mean, there are certain things that I kind of want to just tweak for season two. One is that opening credit sequence. Get some more color in there. One it's is... Um, Counting on it. What would it change to? Like, we, 
we don't know what it was. Who would care if it changed? Like, we wouldn't know what it meant. It it needs Max. to be rethought. Oh, just, oh, just completely change it. Okay, maybe. The once once we hit the should be altered, possibly. I, I love my tapestry idea. I'm going to write that. I mean, I, I definitely one. can. I think some of the wigs need to be tweaked just a skosh. Ooh, okay. Lena Valerian's wig in particular, the 12-year-old uh, first date girl was like, hmm. That is a nice okay. go on that lace front. And third, um, yeah, Tanoya Mizuno, very talented actress. I, I, I love Grace Machina. I've enjoyed her other stuff. I would like you to go back to your language coach and maybe um, rethink that recipe, like the sort of French Saudi Arabian, and then put some like an untouchable growls in a blender and hit puree thing you're working with. Ah, wasn't really doing it for me. So yeah. maybe just finesse that just a bit because. I do kind of like talking in it. I, I guess myself going like, hey man, we must go to the kitchen and make ourselves an omelette and just trying to do something like that. But I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would like that to be different. This is going to catch on. Now everyone's going to talk in it and it's going to become a viral thing and uh, they're going to keep it. And it started here. So thank you for that. <laughs> some folk are agreeing with me about the wigs. Not all the wigs though. Like some of the wigs look good. Rhaenyra's looks great. And then you get yeah. to like Lena Valerius. It's like, they really That's, should have put some more wig glue on there. It's just, it's not quite working. It's I, I will gum. say, yeah. So out of all of the show that I've seen, I think that scene of young Lena Valerian, the wig distracted me the most of, of anything else. There are some other wigs. It's hard when you have however many wigs this show has, an absurd amount of wigs it's to get every wigs. single one right. It's wig and I do think show. there are a few uh wigs that are uh, maybe a few hairs short of great um and, <laughs> and that might be one of them i mean if any show can justify a lot a huge wig budget it is house of the dragon considering how many fucking possible pair and you know it, it, it's a shame that a huge, they, wig budget. huge huge like the 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 wig department is what they need um with all the wigs on the yeah. show and it's a shame that they wig didn't unit. seem to the wig unit to like pick up on Rainey's Targaryen is actually supposed to be. I mean, she was dark haired when she was younger in the book. She's Baratheon parent. And then, like, her hair is white by the time of this show. But I think they're just put on another Targaryen blonde wig. Like, you could just have her do natural hair or dark hair. Um, yeah. You're making it harder than it has to be for yourselves, wig masters. Like, r- I thought Rainey that about Emma Aaron, that. too. I wondered that about I Emma don't Aaron know if she had silver what color hair. And her hair is supposed to be. Yeah. Couldn't remember off the top of my head, but I wondered if, like you said, if they're making it harder for themselves with some of the not um, 100% Targaryen characters with their wigs. Mark and Gina Yangle, it's ridiculous. The uh, That accent, man. We'll, 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 we'll see where it goes. I, I, I look forward yeah. to coming up with some fun names for it. Um, finally, we have the final scene, which, which I did think was a bit like um, part of the reason this episode was a little bit slower and sleepier was because... I'm just not that excited about the crab feeder quite yet. I missed all these shots fired. I mean, they end this episode with Damon and um, Corliss Valerian, whose whose 12 year old daughter has been horribly refused by the king spurned. Yes. Teaming up, which is cool. I liked that bit. I was a little weird about like Corliss Valerian saying like, we had to work for everything we got, like the, the brother of the king and then the rich man of Westeros. Like, let's not go crazy, people. Um, but 
I like the idea of them making War of the Steps. Yeah, I, I like that he also says we're second sons, but that's a metaphor in Corliss's case. Like, I don't think Corliss is actually a second son. Yeah, Corliss talking out of his ass here. But I, I like the idea of him and also like a second son to the brother of the freaking king of the Westeros. It's you're going to be fine. <laughs> I, but yeah. I like them going to war, although I'm I don't, I'm not I'm not really afraid of the crab feeder yet. And I'm not sure ending the episode on like, oh, no, what's going to happen with the guy in the mask? Like, I don't I don't know the guy in the mask. You can make me be afraid of him in next episode, but not yet. Yeah, I think the crab feeder, um, you, you know, it's going to be a minor villain. <laughs> you know, the, oh, it's not really? like the crab feeder is going to stick around to season two. Like, well, how, sorry, how spoilers. The, this show is not about the crab feeder war. It's about the dance of the dragons. So it'll be interesting to see what the show does next week. I was sh- a little surprised. So, yeah, I'm playing coy a little bit because I have seen ahead, but I was surprised at the things they showed in the trailer for next week. Um, Whoa, did you catch I, the trailer I, at the end of the episode? Actually, no, I didn't. Oh, I, 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 I left to walk to walk that thing before I uh, saw it. OK, um, so the trailer at the end of the episode showed basically uh, we're going to get another time jump next week. Um, so you guys watching get used to time jumps. This is kind of something that I danced around in this in my series impressions that the show does more with time jumps than just this big 10 year gap where the actors change. We're getting we've gotten a time jump this episode. It was six months. The next one, Aegon looks like he might be alive by episode three. That's Allison's son. No way. Really? They were that talking about Aegon in the trailer and they showed scenes of fighting in that. the Stepstones. Yeah, so next week is going to be interesting. What a fun tightrope walk for you, Daniel. Just trying to it talk has been. as if you haven't seen everything, but just from the perspective of someone who's just like us, who is um, yes. un- un- yet unspoilt. Because I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for all the things I, I don't know that may or may not happen next week. <laughs> very cool well um we will be here next week we're going to be here every single sunday at 9 30 p.m central standard time talk about all things house of the dragon and we also have our normal take the black shows on wednesday at 4 p.m central standard time talk about all things well let's be honest uh, some more house of the dragon and then other stuff like i think you and i have both seen the um first two episodes of the rings of power now so i'm sure we will talk about that a bit come wednesday same place on the winner is coming facebook page the winner is coming youtube page we streamed up some of this stuff every friday at 9 30 p.m cst every wednesday at 4 p.m cst and thank you guys so much for coming in thank you so much for adding your um commentary we love we love chatting with you love getting to know you guys love talking about westeros with you and we hope you stick around for the remaining eight episodes thank you Saul. thank you for watching and joanna thanks a lot and um for anything else good night good luck and don't let the dragons bite your head off uh during the hour of the bat This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. 
like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.